Hi there and welcome once again to this 79th episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast where we talk everything when it comes to transportation, basically anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. Please leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate you listening, but we want to make sure more people can listen. And if you leave us a good review, that's going to get the word out there a little bit more. You find me on Twitter. I'm at Joseph Denver 7. He's at Denver 7 Traffic. Jason, I was really proud. I was part of the team that put together questions for the Colorado gubernatorial debates, and we managed to ask all eight candidates whether or not they would support a Hyperloop system, or at least studying a Hyperloop system in Colorado. And I think most of the Republicans said no. What did the Democrats say? I don't know. I think in total it was six out of eight, or like five out of eight, but we had no's on both sides. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think what they're saying is there's too much money involved. That might be the issue for them. Well, it is. Because wasn't it a yes or no question? It was a yes or no question. We didn't really press them on it in any way. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of them were saying no because they felt like by saying no, they were indicating that their priorities lay elsewhere, whether that was with increased mass transit or increased transportation funding for highway repairs. Interesting. Well, uh, we'll see how all that shakes out. Colorado Hyperloop was thrilled about it, though. Shout out to Colorado Hyperloop, my was favorite that, Twitter account. Did you come up? I'm sure you were the one that came up with that question. I, you know what? It's funny. Our assistant news director is also a big Hyperloop fan. Oh, really? And he was the one who pushed for that question in the first place. And I said, okay, we should definitely do that. Does he listen to this, the Driving You Crazy podcast? He really should. I he think, should. I think he should. And if he doesn't, well, obviously he doesn't now. So, well, we might have to do some as... Uh, Holly says some shenanigans to make him do it. Put a little hyperloop in his office. <laughs> Something like that. With mice running through it. And by, have you set up your new fancy email signature yet? No. All right. It took me a while to do. That's why I haven't done it yet. It is. It's it's uh, a little challenging, uh, especially on your iPhone, your work phone, or my work phone. So it's different. So they send this whole thing where you have links to go to different stuff. Now, they put their links to like the Denver Channel Facebook page and... Uh, YouTube page and that sort of thing in there. But I change those to my stuff. So nice. if I send you something and you click on one of those links, it'll take you to my stuff. Then you're supposed to put that into your iPhone, your work phone, and it never worked right. So all these little icons never came up right. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was stupid. So I had to develop my own thing. A lot of dirty laundry being aired right now. And then put it in the <laughs> phone to make it work correctly. It doesn't look exactly like what they want, but hey, it's close enough. So keep an eye on your inbox for that email from so Jason Luber, the traffic guy. If you want one of those cool signatures, uh, then send me uh, send me an email, and I'll send you one right back with my cool signature on it. Away we go. Uh, by the way, we're we're trying this all. If the sound is a little bit different, we have a new audio mixer we're trying. So that way, we can actually start taking phone calls, start making phone calls, and start doing phone interviews. Um, we did an interview, we did a story this morning about the idea to uh, increase the tolls, the now make it from a static toll to a dynamic toll mm -hmm. on our toll lanes around the north side of town. And so I was, maybe we talked to that guy. Maybe we talked to uh, other people about transportation stuff. Maybe your wife calls during the podcast and we just put her on. That, that could happen too. <laughs> All of that is now possible with the uh, new mixer. And my uh, setup and my accoutrements that I have set up here. It only took 79 episodes, but Shoebox Studio, getting some much-needed improvements. <laughs> How many times have you seen a woman putting on her makeup in the car while, while she's driving? Multiple. Yes. 
So you would think it would be safer if you're in the back of a cab uh, and you're a passenger trying to put on your makeup, right? You would think. You would think so. However, there was a woman doing her makeup. She was in the back of a taxi. She stabbed herself when the taxi crashed. She was on her way to see some friends when the taxi bumped into another vehicle. They were in a traffic jam in Bangkok, and the woman hit the seat in front of her. And when the taxi knocked into that white pickup truck, the pencil went into her eye. God. Incredibly for the woman, the stick didn't penetrate her eyeball, and they say her sight will not be affected. But when you see the picture, they have this pencil coming like right here in the corner by by her nose and like the little corner of your eye there. Just sticking in there, and you could see the expression in her face is not good. Don't need to see that picture. No, not All good. All set with that picture. Uh, they, she's, there was a lot of blood, apparently. I believe that. She said she had a small nosebleed. Um, doctors took the pencil out. They say she's not going to have any long-lasting injuries, do but you, right there. Do you keep the pencil after that? Well, I, that's a good question. Can, I guess you could probably reuse it. Oh, you, I'm not asking if you would reuse it. <laughs> I'm just asking if you would want a souvenir from that time that you jammed a pencil into your eye. It's like when my wife is doing that and I'm driving, and I'm always telling her bumps coming up. That's good. Or I'm accelerating or decelerating. That's a sign that I'm you always, care. Yes. I think she'll be okay except for the psychological damage from stabbing her eyeball with a makeup pencil. Horrid. No more eyeliner. So the complaint I hear most often from people when I'm hosting my weekly Friday morning Facebook live broadcast is about how slow people go in the left lane. We're always talking about how slow people go in the left lane, right? Oh, always. 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 So people hate it when there are slow drivers or even speed limit drivers in the left lane. Hate it. If you're someone bothered by slow drivers in the left lane, then this Indiana State Police officer might be your new hero. His name is Sergeant Stephen Willis. He's a public information officer for the Indiana State Police, and he sent out a viral tweet after he pulled over a slow left lane driver. What he tweeted was this. I stopped this vehicle today for a left lane violation on I-65. The driver had approximately 20 cars slowed behind her because she would not move back to the right lane. Again, if there are vehicles behind you, you must move over to the right lane to allow them to pass. Well, the tweet, as you can imagine, was retweeted tens of thousands of times, even by some big shots like the race car driver, Graham Rahal. He called uh, the trooper a hero. (laughs) He said, fast lane cruisers are one of my biggest frustrations. Hall of Famer Troy Aikman chimed in. He said, finally, with a thumbs-up emoji. Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman loves that left lane, apparently. He has the need for speed. Okay. He does. You uh, couldn't tell on the football field. Other, <laughs> other people just begged the officer to accept a job in their own state, like maybe here in Colorado. He could have a job and pull over all the left lane people all day long, right? What other football players do we envision as left lane speeders? Von Miller. Von, oh, definitely. Definitely Von, Von Miller. Miller. Uh, Tom Brady, left lane cruiser. N- no, yeah, I, yes, he's he's going to be one back in everybody. Else, I, I would think. argue Peyton Manning might be a left lane cruiser as well. Pro- yes, I would think so. Definitely. Other drivers seemed confused by the rules regarding left lane laws. Uh, a Twitter user named Brian Hunt, insert your joke there, <laughs> asked if you could be pulled over for causing traffic jams in that lane, even if you are driving the speed limit. Well, the officer, Officer Willis, appeared on the Dan uh, Dockich show and describes exactly what happened. So take a listen.
to this. Just driving along on I-65, um, southbound heading to my home. I was driving along, and I, I wondered why traffic was, was slowed, and, you know, there really wasn't a crash in that area. And um, I finally got behind the one vehicle that was at the front of it all, and uh, this this lady was driving in the left lane. And, um, you know, you're allowed to drive in the left lane. You're passing, of course. Um, but at this time, there was nobody else in front of her in the left lane, and um, there was numerous cars backed up behind her. So I felt, you know, for the safety of everybody, it was necessary to take some action. You know, she was going close to the speed limit, so it wasn't a big issue, and she was allowed to do it. Um, she also said she didn't really want to keep making lane changes. She didn't want to have to move back to the right and then eventually back to the left. And um, so that was kind what? of her reasoning. I, I you use it as a learning opportunity to tell people because a lot of people just don't know what the law states about that. A lot of people, yeah. So if you, if you don't want to change lanes, get in the right lane. Yeah, she didn't want to keep changing lanes. Get That's, out of here! Is that crazy? Oh my god! Drop your speed to like even slow it. Just go below <laughs> the speed limit. Get all the way over to the right, and you don't ever have to change lanes. You can ride in that slow lane as long as you want to. All right, the tripper continues. A lot of people are frustrated about it, but don't really know what the law says about it so i I took it as an opportunity to educate uh her on what the law is it goes to show how passionate people are about it and how frustrated seeing the responses on twitter people are frustrated with with people and you know tying up traffic and we view it as a safety issue where cars are causing crashes that's our biggest concern um we're not concerned about that initial person driving slow in the left lane but we're worried about the car 10 cars back that's had to slow down to 50 miles an hour now, and, you know, they're going to have someone run into them. So that's, it's a safety issue for us, and I tweeted it out just to remind people what the law is, but, you know, it really caught wind and kind of took off there. This law is not designed to give people free reign to speed. Um, everyone knows that the state police and other police agencies, they'll stop those people for speeding. Um, certainly someone running 90, 80, you know, we're going to take a look at those, and they're going to be the ones that get stopped. Um, but I think the spirit of the law is that the legislature realized people are going to travel all different speeds, and it keeps things flowing a lot smoother and doesn't re- create those big backups in traffic. And that's where many of our crashes on the interstates happen, is where someone going a lot faster comes up on slow traffic, and for whatever reason, there's a collision. So I think that's the idea. Not a free reign to speed. We're certainly going to stop those that are speeding, but we do want to make people aware that Stay to the right. That's the safest bet. If you need to pass, by all means, go out and pass, and then as safe as possible, get back to the right lane. That again from the Dan Duckett Show. Um, so did this woman get a ticket, or was, did they just let her off with a warning? She only got a warning, no ticket. I'm warning, shaking my head no right ticket. now. Yes, this a lot of people. not a visual medium. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm shaking my head at that. <laughs> there were a lot of people the same way that had the same right. reaction that were going, come on. oh, come on, why didn't she get a ticket? Right. I mean, 20 cars behind her? No, I mean, I was all set to be on this guy's side, but now I feel like he did not go far enough. He says he wants to turn this into a teaching moment. We'll teach her by hitting her in her paycheck. Yes, teach her with um, a $200 fine or whatever the fine is. financial spank. There you go. Sometimes when you're at an airport, right, you might have a flight delay or a long layover. You get there early, let's say. You might want to catch some sleep. You get a couple of of minutes to take a nap, right? 
something like that. Because you're supposed to be at the airport now like two hours ahead of time. Yes. Especially here in Denver where the security lines are getting longer and longer. Well, and they randomly last, uh, maybe it was two weeks ago, They out of nowhere, DIA was like, oh, you need to be here two and a half hours early tonight because we don't have the staff to handle all these lines. Exactly. So, and I've slept at a bunch of airports. I've slept over there at DIA a little bit. Um, most recently, I've actually slept at the Orlando airport, at least tried to. Mm. Um, but I think they discourage you sleeping over there, too, by playing their music at night pretty loudly and having the public address system automatically announce uh, the time every half an hour. Well, but, you have kids now, too, so it's a little Well, I was by myself. Right I okay. was traveling to see my uh, brother at the time, and it, they would say, the current local time is 3.30. Well, that turns into white noise, though, right? Oh no, it's no? it's noise. It's not I mean, like, it's, not it's like not, a... you're not getting into a deep sleep on the floor of the Orlando airport. True, it's not ideal, but you know, it, it's relatively a safe a safe place if you need to get catch some Z's to sleep in an airport, right? Well, the London Stansted Airport, it's about forty miles northeast of London, has banned passengers from sleeping on seats and appointed an anti-snooze guards. To patrol the terminals every 10 minutes to wake up people if they are sleeping in chairs or on the floor. And to make it worse, the departure wing of the airport is to be closed after the final flight of the night, usually around midnight or so, until about 2 or 3 in the morning. The new policy was instituted after passengers who were either stuck at the airport or would show up early for their flight. They would camp out at the airport on hammocks or blow-up beds. Who well, brings that to an airport? That's a totally different story. Yeah, don't let the guy with the hammock have his hammock for a full <laughs> seven hours in the airport and skip out on a hotel room. This reminds me, when I was living in Vegas, I'd go to the sports book, and I was there pretty early in the morning because of my shift, and you would occasionally see a homeless person who had fallen asleep during the previous night's sports action that was you know, still sleeping when I got there in the morning. And yes, there was an anti-snooze guard who would come in and give him the old shake and be like, I don't know where you're from, man, but you can't stay here. And... That made sense because that was a casino where the people who were sleeping there like were not supposed to be there. At an airport, we're generally talking about passengers. You know what I mean? Like people who just fell asleep at the airport during an eight-hour layover. Why are we punishing those people for trying to get some sleep? My guess is this London airport's about to open a sleeping room and charge you $20 an hour to sleep there. Well, what they say is the passengers are saying that they're trying to save some money because staying at the uh, hotels near that airport is just too expensive. And this is just anecdotal. But I did a, uh, a check, just a, just a quick uh, hotels.com check of some of the airport hotels around the uh, airport there mm-hmm. outside of London. And the price for most rooms during the week at the Holiday Inn or the whatever was uh, about 90 bucks. Too much. And then during the weekend, it was around $100. Because they say, at least the airport people, there's been as many as 600 passengers staying overnight there at the airport, and they just say that's too that's too many. Well, but, I mean, so Philadelphia was one example that I had where you have the hotel that's built right onto the airport, and yeah. if you try to crash at that hotel for what, one reason or another, you're going to pay $200, $250 a night for it. And It's a lot more at our airport. And I was going to say, it's the same thing at this Westin at DIA, where if you're trying to book day of, be prepared to spend almost $500 yeah. functionally once you're all said and done. Orlando has uh, their own hotel there at their airport. Uh, other airports do the same thing, but again, they're way more expensive. But these airports, uh, this airport in, uh, in outside of London, the Stansted Airport, there's hotels right next to it, and for a hundred bucks, that's not that's not outrageous. We're living in the Is wrong it? country, Jason. Yeah, are, yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> you can't get a La Quinta here for what under one fifty. 
Oh, Can you? God, no, you really can't. Denver, uh, we we don't need to go down this road, but Denver, there is a definite shortage of hotel rooms for the amount of need, I would say. Now, passengers there are allowed to sit on the floor but not sleep on the floor. Guards are then on patrol to wake up anyone who falls asleep. The passengers have also been asked not to arrive any earlier than their check-in time. And the airport says this all has to do with the massive construction project that the airport is going through. And it will also make it easier for the overnight cleaning crew to do their work. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because you have to clean up that spot where that guy is sleeping. Right. Or right. sitting in a chair. You're not cleaning the chairs. I doubt they've ever cleaned the chairs. I mean, but have you ever vacuumed and, like, left one cor- one island in the middle of your floor? It's no. Anno- it's annoying. I All understand right. so, why the cleaning crew would want to be a perfectionist about this. But, no, to your point, that's not why they're doing it. As you can imagine, people have taken to social media to express their outrage. Uh, there are warning signs up that have been posted around uh, airports, uh, that airport, as well as the Essex Airport, which is south of London, asking travelers not to lay down on the seats, especially. Because, you know, you, you, they, they installed a while back at a lot of airports those seats where they have the armrests that are basically immobile, immovable. Yep. You can't move mm-hmm. those things, and that prevents people from laying down across those seats. You can only sit in those seats. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just sends people to the floor. And then now you can't even lay down on the floor, hang out. Because I've seen that even when people are waiting, as, as the plane is is at the gate, they're trying to board passengers, but it's still going to take you half an hour, especially on the big airlines, because they have the this level first and that level second, and then these the families get to go next. And if you have one of those last bat boarding numbers, then... Yeah. You might as well just, you know, sit down and take a nap. Well, for real. I mean, like, let everybody else get on. Maybe you can make a deal with somebody. Hey, save me a seat so I have somewhere to go so I'm not sandwiched when I finally get on What the about plane? all the cots over there at DIA for bad weather when they shut down the airport? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, it's a thing. My first station, we had cots at the station in case of bad weather, in case oh, we yeah. all needed to crash there. Well, they have, uh, they sometimes set us up in a hotel here. Yes. Right across the street, and it's terrible. Well, it's a terrible hotel. We we would get tro- we were on the coast, so tropical storms would come through, and we're all crashed at the station for three days. One night, we lost power because it was so flooded. God bless America. <laughs> I was doing so when I was when I was reading the story. I uh, started uh, researching a little bit, and I typed in a uh, a little Google search about sleeping at airports, and and I came across an aptly named website called sleepinginairports.net. Oh, they couldn't afford the .com. No, I guess not. Uh, they say, though, the best U.S. airport to sleep in is Minneapolis-St. Paul. Um, Everything's friendlier in Minneapolis. <laughs> the second best, they say, is Portland International Airport. Oregon or Maine? Uh, Oregon. Okay. They Those are the only two, top two, uh, in of the 25 on the list. Okay, those are in the, the top, world. Those are the top. Those two. are the top two, and then don't sleep anywhere else in America. No, and they were like in 17 and 25 place gotcha. uh, of the top. Uh, most of the top, like 20 or so, were in Asia. Um, you know, Singapore I and mean, all those kind those of those countries are living in the future. No, they are most definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and they actually had chairs that were designed for resting and sleeping. Mm-hmm. Nice. Coming up, there's some things you should never put in a tailpipe. We'll explain as the Driving You Crazy podcast (laughs) continues. (laughs) 
More of the Driving You Crazy podcast coming up. When I come to a story, people say, well, well, where's the camera person? And I said, well, you're looking at her. I said, that's me too. And they, they kind of throws them off. But I love having control over the video. But sometimes I will have to move my camera. It slows down the process a little bit. What's rewarding is I feel like I really get to know my subjects and I get to spend time doing it. And at the end of the day, when I look at my, it's almost like your project for the day. You created a project and then you're going to present it the next morning. You're proud of it. And having a role in that whole process is rewarding. Connor Wist, only on Denver 7. We're informative. We're first on the scene with a lot of breaking news in the morning. Uh, we're very accurate with our information that we get and pass on to the viewers. Uh, we have a lot of drunk drivers out there that we're dealing with. Um, I've seen people come northbound on Broadway, as we're, and it's a one-way. Uh, it's a lot of danger out there in the middle of the night. The toughest part of the job out there is trying to get accurate information and trying to build a rapport with a lot of law enforcement agencies so we get the accurate information. Daryl Orb, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous, world-cup-loving, Driving You Crazy podcast. I've put all my money on Iceland. Mm. It might not have been the smartest choice, but it could be lucrative. I put my money on the United States of America, so... Uh, that is not a good choice. Already doing better than I am. Yes, because By the way, they are out. During the break, Vince Lombardi, definitely a left-lane speeder. Vince Lombardi? Yep. You think so? I think so. Oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, could go either way. I was thinking about um, what's-his-head, that uh, Mark Sanchez. Yep. He butt-fumbled his way to the right lane. <laughs> Is that wrong it to say? scarred him for life. <laughs> he will never set foot in the left lane again, set pedal. In the so left did lane you again. see this story about a woman the other day who gave, or I think it was yesterday, she gave birth uh, on the Paris subway. The trains there, all right? So okay. she was in labor, actually had her baby there on the transit station, and the transit authority there in Paris has awarded, no awarded the baby, the child, the little guy, 25 years of free rides. Free rides until he's 25. Seriously? Only to 25? Why not his entire life? What about mom? How about giving mom a few rides for free? She's the one who actually paid for the original fare, isn't it? Why doesn't she get a free ride for the rest of her life? You're talking about two free ride tickets out of all the people that are riding in the on the Paris transport? Well, don't the kids get to ride for free until they're like 12 anyway? That's what I was thinking. Exactly. So, 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 like, so it's, it was only like half of his life. Right. That kid's going to get axed at 11. <laughs> and who says he's actually going to use it up to that point? I mean, come on. Right. Come on, man. That's a come on, man. Yeah, Paris. Come on, Paris. Get it together. Give this kid free rides for life. Joseph, let me introduce you to 19-year-old Caitlin Strom from Mini Minnesota. Okay. I said it, Minnesota. Very well done. Caitlin could be the hero country music needs. This is why I say this. She's a girl. She was drunk. And she was just freed from her own prison of a truck's exhaust pipe. That's a country song if I've ever heard one. The young woman was enjoying her day at the Winstock Country Music Festival in Minnesota 
When the teen having a few too many adult beverages thought it would be a good idea to explore the inside of a tailpipe with her head. Unfortunately, although her head did fit into the tailpipe, she was unable to pull it back out, resulting in firefighters freeing her with an electric saw after being stuck for 45 minutes. Do I just not know how big a tailpipe is? Because that doesn't. This seem... is one of those modified, big modified truck tailpipes that you've seen that can uh, do the rolling thunder, you know, drop out all that huge exhaust. Even still, right? It's I a mean, it's, it's a big tailpipe. A human head is big too. Well, her head was big enough to get in, but not enough to get out. And, of course, Caitlin was cited for underage drinking, but that didn't stop her from enjoying the moment. If you're asking yourself, Caitlin, why, 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 why would you do such a thing? Well, the answer is simple. She says, quote, we were just all having fun, and I saw this big exhaust pipe. And I was like, hey, my head could probably fit in that. So I tried it. It did fit, but it didn't want to come back out. I was kind of confused because I didn't know what was going on because I couldn't see around me, unquote. We couldn't get audio of that one? No. We, we couldn't. Oh, my God. We, I'm looking at the picture now, and frankly, I mean, she just looks like the stupidest person on the planet. Yes. Yeah, Sorry, Caitlin. She, she is uh, really not the brightest person, but uh, she's a curious one, like Curious George, see? The owner of the truck said it wasn't that big of a deal, and uh, in fact, they actually took that section of exhaust pipe that was cut out to a local bar so everyone could see it. Well, I mean, what else do you do afterwards? Do they give her the tailpipe afterward? Does she get a souvenir like makeup pencil lady? Ironically, the bar is called Darwin's Tavern. Was she allowed at the bar afterwards? No, well, yes, yeah, the thing. She couldn't drink at the bar, but uh, somehow she was actually allowed in the bar, and she's underage. So some bars, you can't go in unless you're of age, right? She was allowed in with the tailpipe. Crazy, huh? I have no words. I don't, I don't want to tear Caitlin down too much further, but my goodness. My, go my goodness is exactly right. I, I found a Snapchat from her that says, yeah, I'm the tailpipe girl. What you know about it? <laughs> so... I think we have the next Cash Me Outside girl on our hands. Only probably much less famous. Tailpipe girl. Tailpipe girl. Probably goes on the resume, don't you think? I mean, probably on the LinkedIn. Does she have anything else going for her? Sometimes nice things happen on the New York subway. Most of the times it's an unyielding hell filled with psychopathic behavior. If you don't believe me, you should check out the Instagram feed called uh, Subway Creatures. I follow it. It's fantastic. It's the same feed that showed the woman sitting at a train station. I think she was at um, Union Day or the uh, Grand Central. She was shaving her legs. Oh, I saw this. Yep. Disgusting. She had spread some shaving cream on, on her legs. Started shaving right there in the seat. Yeah, I mean, get out of here. And there were at least a dozen people right near her that were witnesses to this leg shaving. All equally horrified. Yeah, well, they didn't move. They didn't do anything. Well, they mean, just stayed there. We saw there. a picture, right? We didn't see no, the video. No, I, there was video. Okay. I saw the video. Um, I guess she was in a hurry to get out of the house, but still needed to shave her leg for an important meeting. I guess. I don't know. I don't know why she did that. Well, anyway, this week, there was a New Yorker who was confronted with somebody else that she believed was representing the worst of humanity. Megan Pallone, she was riding on a Brooklyn-bound R-train when she encountered a guy who was wearing flip-flops and pants. Get out of here. Get 
out of here. However, that is the most comfortable look on the planet. I wear flip flops with jeans, flip flops with my. That's not why she was upset, Joseph. Okay. She was upset because this guy decided to take his flip flops and leave them on the ground, go barefoot on the seats, and rub his bare uh, feet all over the seats in front of him, and. To make it worse, manspread at the same time. That's less defensible. <laughs> Don't come after the pants and flip-flops look. No, 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 no. He was in the pants and the flip-flops, which is fine. I, I dig it. I dig, I, I'll dig. i do that on the cruises. Very bohemian. I like that on the cruises. But he took his flip-flops off, and he had his sweaty feet on the seats, rubbing his sweat from the feet on the seats, and then he was doing the manspreading, which she took offense to. And that is a, that is a, That is a creature right there. Because, I well, here's the thing. I like to keep my flip-flops on at all times, more for my protection than anybody else's protection or spreading germs, anything like that. And, we, and we've talked about this before. The problem with public transportation is it's a communal space. You have to share with others unlike you would have to uh, in your own private vehicle. You can do whatever you want in your own car. You can't really do whatever you want on the subway or the bus or the whatevers. That's true. When you're around other people. I mean, I guess you can, and then you're on Subway Creatures on Instagram, but thinking that Subway seats are probably not clean, but once every in a while, right? I mean, I understand the, the desire to be barefoot. I will say that. I even understand the desire to put your bare feet on the seat. Uh, having said that, have some decorum. And, but if that foot wasn't clean, don't you think that foot... Goo that really could that untold problem? fungus could be on the seat for others to enjoy for weeks? Not disputing anything that you're saying, but that's not this guy's problem. No, I guess not, because, well, unless he comes back to that same area and then his own foot fungus is there growing on that seat. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, for all the other stuff, well, you, you know, you get, literally, you can get whatever you want on the, on the New York su- City subway. Right, and you can't trust the seats to be clean ever no not on the new york city subways uh so i saw a tweet a few days ago i wanted to get your take on this joseph happy to help so it was from a transit zealot we've talked about these people before and it says hey ride rtd that's the metro denver bus and light rail service rtd says hey ride rtd please stop covering your train windows with ads exclamation point because he was really emphatic about it It's a little stuff like this, which tells people where your priorities are. And right now, it's with car drivers who see the trains roll by instead of with your riders. I I was trying to decipher the last line, priorities with the car drivers seeing ads rather than priorities with the riders. You know you can still see out the windows, right? Well, that's yeah. How does having an advertisement on the train or the bus affect the people on the train or the bus? Is he saying that you can't see outside? Because you can you, you can see outside through that advertisement. Maybe he hasn't, as a pedestrian zealot, maybe he hasn't been on the train or on the bus to be able to know that you can see outside of those advertisements while the train is going somewhere. I'll tell you this. I took the light rail yesterday. I felt very catered to. felt very relaxed. I don't, I, look, man, like ads aren't going to deter people from the light rail. Like, not being in your car is going to be what deters you from the light rail. The desire yeah. to be in your car is going to be what deters you it from the It might obstruct rail. the view a little it bit. It doesn't. It's no different really? from having tint on your window. But besides, who does he think actually pays for this ra- rail or in the bus service? Um, it's the... Well, taxpayers. Yes. <laughs> Let's be honest. And the ads actually help defer some of that cost from the taxpayers 
for those operations over at RTD. So I applaud other ways of getting revenue for the RTD. I will say this. I've always wondered how much it costs the advertisers for the sponsorship. And then on top of that, how much RTD actually makes off of it. And I say that because, you know, like the Rapids bought a sponsorship. The, the Rapids are the soccer team out here. Bought a sponsorship not too long ago and the ads ran for about a month. But you figure the train, the RTD has to reskin the trains and then take the skins off once the advertising well usually that's paid for by the advertiser well it's like here it's like here when when we have to make a spot for one of the advertisers like uh our triple a um we actually run a whole thing to and they were we charge them to to make the spot but that's what i'm saying i mean that cheapens the rate that you can charge if you have to also charge them for the materials i mean you can't charge a hundred thousand if they're going to have to spend an additional twenty thousand on top of that to get these things skinned, you can only charge. I wouldn't them think it cost that much. But, I, you, you, but yeah, you're I get throwing numbers out there. Right, right. But right. you see what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. But you know, it, it's just interesting to to think that this 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 person might think that any kind of advertising revenue that RTD might be generating from this is less important than being able to have an un- unobstructed view outside of the train window. And you know what? It's not just for people that are driving that are seeing the trains. There are people, the trains actually go around downtown Denver. Right. Um, where people are walking and riding their bikes and, and in buildings or at lunch and sitting down or whatever. And you can see these advertisements that's helping defer the cost from me, the taxpayer. Because we, we all know that the taxpayers are, are picking up, what, 70 to 75% of the bill. Yeah, but I mean, it's just a... You know, it's so I just don't get it. I just don't understand. What it. do you expect? I mean, what what? It's one of the most prime pieces of real estate in the city. But I just think it's something that you, if you, if you think of it as a negative, you're you're just gone. Yeah, I mean, there, you can't be reasoned with. No. And and I wanted to get your uh, take this on this story. Oh, it boy. was from uh, Taylor Lawrence in the Atlantic. Oh, I do love the Atlantic. It was titled, Instagram's wannabe stars are driving luxury hotels crazy. I'm glad we're bringing this story up. Go on. Hotels are being forced to figure out how to work with a new class of brand-peddling marketers. Three years ago, Lisa Lin quit her full-time job to travel the world and document it on Instagram, where she has nearly 100,000 followers. Since then, she has stayed in breathtaking hotels everywhere from Mexico to Quebec to the Cook Islands. Often, she stays for free. Lynn is part of an ever-growing class of people who have leveraged their social media clout to travel the world, frequently in luxury. While Lynn and other elite influencers are usually uh, personally invited by hotel brands, an onslaught of lesser-known wannabes have left hotels scrambling to deal with a deluge of requests for all-expense-paid vacations in exchange for some social media posts. Lynn said that while hotels are still trying to figure out the return on working with influencers, it can be helpful to provide more than just social media postings. Quote, we can film something for their website or provide imagery, she said. They can save money by hiring an influencer versus hiring professional photographers or videographers. Kate Jones, marketing and communications manager at the Dust Fanny, I I guess it's, I don't know. Sure. (laughs) It's a five-star resort in the Maldives. She says that her hotel receives at least six requests from self-described influencers per day. Just so your full disclosure, I after reading this article, I too sent a request to this hotel in the Maldives. I did a project on the Maldives when I was a young boy, and that is one of the most beautiful countries on 
planet Earth. I understand why social media influencers would want to go there. What 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 would tell me more about this project? I mean, it's just a handful of islands, right? Off the coast Maldives, of Maldives, yeah. Yeah, off the coast of I want to say like between Africa and Asia, but mm-hmm. please don't quote me on that. This is a driving podcast, not a geography podcast. Um, but the Maldives, I believe, it was either the Maldives or the Seychelles where a couple of like famous people had just bought islands and bought into the country because they had their own private islands there. Uh, if you imagine a country that's just Hawaii, beautiful. Oh, what yeah. could be better? She said, everyone with a Facebook these days is an influencer. People say, I want to come to the Maldives for 10 days and I'll do two posts on Instagram to like 2,000 followers. It's people with 600 Facebook friends saying, hi, I'm an influencer. I want to stay in your hotel for seven days for free. Others send vague online emails like, I want to collaborate with you with no further explanation. These people are expecting five to seven nights on average, all inclusive. Maldives is not a cheap destination, she said, that only about 10% of the requests she she receives are worth investigating. Worth investigating being the key word there. It's not like she's bringing in 10% of the people who send inquiries. It's that 10% of the people have some sort of actual claim to the term social media influencer. And that was one of the things that I thought this article highlighted so well is that it's a term that sounds kind of silly, but when you really think about it, yes, some people are legitimately social media influencers and it's Kardashians not, obviously right I mean it's not easy to build up a following of a hundred thousand people on any of these networks we look at our newsroom right we have this whole team of reporters most of whom are on television five days a week and some of them can't get more than 500 people to follow them on right. those social media pages so to be able to develop that kind of following is a skill and is something that's a value add for these resorts and it would be worth them investing the time to bring them out there and show people around but that's hard to do. There's not many of those people. And there's a lot of people who think that they're social media influencers and think they're going to reach fame through this avenue who are, frankly, just setting themselves up for long careers behind the bar or, you know, in a library or somewhere where they're not really going to see the sort of fame that they think they're building towards. I think and I have. 30,000 or so followers on my Facebook page, which is say, ridiculous. You're, you're no joke, man. Like, you have I, a legitimate following. There. And that's pretty ridiculous. I don't even know how it's that high. I have a couple thousand on Instagram. I have almost 6,000 on Twitter, which is pretty good, but I don't consider myself an influencer by any means. Right. I, I make right. some interesting posts, and they do pretty well, but um, it, it's I think it's the people with, with hundreds of thousands of followers that are quote-unquote influencer. And I would say most of them are, are women mm-hmm. who are taking pictures of their pretty selves, and there are people who like to look at pretty people still. on the. That's what look, don't people knock are it, people, right? aren't they? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like a lot of those women, you know, it takes a skill set to get to that point, and it takes a certain intelligence to get to that point, and regardless of what you look like. Um, there are plenty of people who have gotten to social media influencer status for exactly the opposite reason, because they had significant problems that they had to overcome. I hate to use this as an example, but look at the cat that was born without the bottom part of its jaw, you know, that had no business being a social media influencer. Little what? Bub. Little bub. You, I, you know this. Like it, it was born in such a way so it perpetually looks like a kitten, which is supposed to be like a problem. But the, because this cat was so cute, it became popular. Like Grumpy Cat. Yes, exactly. And I've read, I've read stories about there's influencers who will get clothes. And mm. actually, there was a well, I can't remember the. I was reading some other article 
how these women are being approached to uh, wear all their clothes. Just all these clothes will be sent to them so they can wear them in different locations, take pictures, talk about the clothes, and then and they get to keep them. It's a real thing. Yeah, I mean it really is a thing. But uh, and the other thing I wanted to touch on, and I kind of got away from this. It's important to have social media following where they're actual people. And one of the things that was interesting about this article is that there is a differentiation. You have to do some research to figure out, are these accounts, influencers, being followed by real people? Or is it just a bunch of robots or a bunch of random IP addresses from a computer farm in Croatia? Yeah, because you can buy all this stuff, and, yep. and it's not, not good. All right, back to the story by Taylor Lawrence in The Atlantic. Uh, she says, Jack Bedwani, who runs the... Projects, a brand consulting agency that works with several top hospitality brands, said that he's close with the PR manager for a new hotel and day club in Bali. He says they get 5 to 20 direct inquiries a day from self-titled influencers. You can sort out the amateurs from the pros very quickly. The vast majority of cold call approaches are really badly written. Mm -hmm. It sounds like when you're texting a friend, inviting yourself over for dinner. They, he says they don't give reasons why anyone should invest in having them as a guest. Some hotels report being so overwhelmed by influencer requests that they've simply opted out of it altogether. In January, a luxury boutique hotel in Ireland made headlines for banning all YouTubers and Instagram stars after a 22-year-old requested a free five-night stay in exchange for exposure. 22-year-old, and, and very, I, I don't know, I guess it's a different world, but a lot of those folks, you're more in touch with the younger people. Are they, just, are they just traveling all the time now? No. I mean, no, they're not. And so the idea- I mean, how do they have the money for that? But that's just it. The idea that a 22-year-old could provide exposure for a hotel that likely costs more than $100 million is a little bit ridiculous on its face. And you would think if they were going to spend their time to try to bring in an influencer who could actually bring- guests to that resort that they would spend the money to and bring in somebody like a sports star or some other celebrity yeah. and get an actual endorsement rather than just relying on social media word of mouth, which is what most of these influencers are, are peddling. Instagram has more than 800 million monthly active users, many of whom come to it for travel ideas, and influencers argue that the promotion they offer allow hotels to directly market to new audiences in an authentic way. Most hotels acknowledge that there are some benefits to working with influencers. It's just that determining how to work with them and manage their requests is a challenge. Some hotels, like the Ace and others, have attempted to standardize the process by requiring detailed influencer application forms for discounts or for free hotel stays. Other list influencers' specific contact addresses on their websites, but the majority of hotels I uh, deal with influencer requests the old-fashioned way, through an email to the hotel's primary address. Hotels evaluate influencers on several criteria, trying to sift through the enormous amount of BS. Kate Jones says, We are looking at engagement more than anything else. We have to filter out influencers who have basically bought bots. There are a lot of those these days, she said. That's to your point, where you can just go out and buy them for 20 or 30 or $50, and you can have 5,000 followers. Doesn't mean you really have 5,000 followers. It just means the numbers there on your page. Right. Lori Hobb, the director of public relations and marketing at Ocean House Management, a resort management company that operates several boutique hotels in Rhode Island, said that the hotel keeps a database of trusted influencers who it has partnered with before and can rely on when launching new products. Recently, a customer, Lily Pol uh, Pulitzer, 
Yeah, you got it. That's <laughs> you think Lily. so? Yeah, no. I, I had a friend who was big into Lily. Really? Yep. All there, right, she, Lily Pulitzer is a very popular brand among the uh, millennial women. Oh, interesting. Well, anyway, they have a Lily Pulitzer suite. Uh, and when the influencer approached one of their properties, Hobb and her team take a close look at the influencer's follower counts and aesthetics to make sure it's the right fit. Joe Mara, Mara good, I am horrible with names today. I thought you nailed that one. That was, <laughs> that's some of your best work right there. <laughs> Mira Goliath. The best part of this is I don't even have today's script up, so I can't help you, man. You're on your own. Anyway, Joe, a men's lifestyle and travel blogger, says he's stayed at hundreds of hotels as an influencer, hates the fact that so many ham-handed wannabes are giving influencers a bad name. When other influencers are trying he, to out-influence me. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what he's doing. Having a one-sheet is really nice, he said. Having your own demographics on lockdown and having an elevator pitch an audience. If you don't know your audience, brands don't know you. You could have a hundred million followers, but they won't know who you're marketing to if you don't know them. Hmm. Other influencers have gotten creative with the services they offer. Zach Benson, who owns the network of travel Instagram accounts, and says he has gotten more than two hundred nights for free over the past year and a half touts his background in digital marketing when he approaches hotels, along with the traditional Instagram posts and stories. Benson offers to work with Hotel's digital marketing arm to provide the in-house social media accounts with some help. Right, but at that point, he's not just an influencer. He's also a freelance consultant. Consultant, yeah. Jones, meanwhile, said the Dust Thani, Doest, Dust, Dust It, yep. Dust It Thani, yep. Maldives has but uh, all but ceased work uh, has all but ceased working with fashion influencers. After she discovered that many simply just wanted pretty backdrops for the swimsuit shots. Natalie Zaft, a social uh, media consultant and influencer who has partnered with hotel chains like Marriott and Intercontinental, says that at the end of the day, most bloggers and influencers are just business people. Taylor, that's that story from Taylor Lawrence, a staff writer at The Atlantic, where she covers technology. I, I'm, I'm not, I really, I'm not even close to being an influencer, I wouldn't think. Sounds like an interesting job if you just want to travel the world where you maybe it's just you and a and, and a wife or a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't think you could do that with kids. Me, maybe. Maybe me, there are kid influencers. Let me ask you that. There are kid influencers, by the way. You don't want to go down that rabbit hole. There's, there's definitely kid influencers. I just did some freelance work for, I forget the name of these kids, but they make these videos where they, these two kids are playing with Play-Doh and doing different Play-Doh projects. And they're like two and four and they have a social media following. It's absurd. Um, but let me ask you this. If you went down the street to like a mom and pop pizza place and you said, Hey, I have 30,000 Facebook followers. You give me a free pizza. I'll put up three posts for you. Would you get your free pizza? Probably. Um, just because I also have the credentials of being on television in this market, not just that I have 30,000 Facebook followers. And let's be clear. But it would also be against my We're not contract. Allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you could. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, to that point, I would say you're an influencer as much as anybody else. Well, well, I, it, well I think that goes to me being on television or and radio when I was on for tele radio for so long. But okay. when I was on radio, I was allowed to do advertisements and sell myself as a spokesperson, as a 
um, as as a person that could do spots. And let's be clear, given the chance, I would turn you into NASCAR. You know, oh yeah, wearing I, a suit covered with advertisement. Yes, I most but certainly would too. There are tears to this stuff, right? I mean, there are your high level influencers who can and should get five night stays at these resorts in order to help out their business. But then there's smaller level influencers who like just have an account that's dedicated to great cakes. And so they get free cake all the time because they're posting stories about all the great cakes in the city of Denver. I'm not saying that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm just saying it's something that I've thought about. <laughs> I didn't know you were into baking. Just cake. Just cakes? Just cakes. Are, are they special cakes like the Let me put it this cakes? way. I'm going to add cake enthusiast. Oh, cake to enthusiast. My list, to my list of titles. I would settle for a free pizza. Though. There you go. There you go. I, I will influence for pizza. Or, or a good rating on iTunes for that matter. Yes, again, please give us a good rating on the iTunes. You can reach out to us at Denver 7 Traffic and at Joseph Denver 7. There you go. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Lieber, the Traffic Guy. I'm Left Lane Cruiser, Joseph Peters. No, you're not. Nope. You don't even have a car. That was disingenuous. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.